Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the Hybrid Podcast. It is excellent to have you here. Before we start, we're just going to go through a couple of announcements. First one being the Hybrid Games on the 31st of August. It would be excellent to have as many of you down there as possible. The way the day is going to run is essentially in teams of four. So if you can generate um, a team of four yourself, that would be excellent. And you will have um, your own place free of charge. All the proceeds are going towards Wrestle for Humanity, an excellent charity set up by Said Ajmali. Um, but if you cannot uh, generate a team yourself, that's completely fine. You can still play. We will just assign you a team um, for, with other people who, you know, maybe only have two players or three players or whatever it is, or a couple of teams of one players. But you'll be in a team of four, and if you want to play, just message any of us, and you'll we'll, we'll, we'll get you a team or we'll get you a space. The page for that will be out later today, and we'll link it below. Sweet. Yeah, we also have the handstand ebook, which. Um, we've had some awesome feedback on, um, like I said last time, Matt's done such an excellent job illustrating that and it looks absolutely quality. So yeah, if you want to check that out, that's also on the on the website. And um, last weekend we did our handsome workshop in Bristol as well, um, which went down really, really, really well. The flow of the day was lush and everyone took loads from it, um, which was awesome. Yeah, it was a really, really cool day, wasn't it? Yeah, it was actually really lush. Really lush. Excellent group of people. Real massive range, actually, from people who've... um, Some people who've never done any handstand work before to, um, you know, people who've got, like, a five-second, ten-second PB. So they were just really, really lovely. Everyone everyone got a PB in their handstands. Everyone everyone took a lot from it and progressed forwards. I find those days so rewarding. They're just, like, they're really, really such fun to coach. And the energy and the vibe in in the gym is just insane. Yeah, what was actually lush was um, Chris Gillard who joined the hybrid program a year ago and came to our first ever workshop and then came to this one um, and said he's still like, it's just like, obviously he's done some of the stuff before but just like picked up little bits, tweaked little bits and at the end of the day, until, like, you're never going to get stuff like straight off the bat and just kind of like keep him revisiting it um, and potentially being like coached by different people and that sort of thing is like is so so valuable for like sort of long-term progression and also just like keeping training interesting long-term as well yeah absolutely um so yeah that was less to kind of see see like people like chris coming back but then also like ali said people who are completely new to it as well um so yeah that was less yeah really really nice day okay so episode 19 is going to be um part two of episode 18 which is us doing our best to try and define what we think overall health is um last week oh no actually we need to do facts today don't we oh yeah Ooh. fact of the day this is a good one all right over to you tmt <laughs> so this fact is about genghis khan but it's not really about genghis khan it's about his son ogadai khan great pronunciation yeah <laughs> <laughs> have you been playing that through in your head ogadai <laughs> ogadai Og- ogadai i'm not sure I, something I, like that i think, you, I think you're right it's Sounds perfect. It's O G E and then die. Like rolled off your tongue. Yeah. <laughs> Ogadai. Ogadai. Um Yeah, basically, at the point when he died, the Mongols had a military campaign and they'd basically swept all the way across through Russia, literally killed ev- pretty much everyone. Um, and they got to Budapest and they'd literally just taken Budapest. Um, and basically, there was no, there's pretty much no one standing in, in their way or anyone that could have beaten them at that point. So they literally would have swept all the way through Europe to France, potentially even come to the UK. Um, but basically, at that point, Ogadai Khan died, which meant they just, they basically just went home because they had to select a new Khan. But obviously, if that hadn't happened, we could literally like our Middle Ages would have been completely different like we could literally be speaking mongolian right now how long did the mongolian empire last so and what and so like if ogadai khan was at how long at what point was this after genghis or was genghis still alive at this point no no genghis was dead at this point so it's like the, the khan was sort of selected after the previous khan had died okay. so it, it, genghis was the first khan he mm-hmm. kind of like brought all the people together uh and then ogadai took over from him 
and then there was one or two um, other cans that sort of rained for a little bit and then Kublai Khan was the uh, last of the cans um, and he reigned for about 40 odd years. How did they fall? Uh, I'm not sure actually. I'm not sure what the uh, what the ending of it was. The books I was reading basically they went up to when Kublai came into power mm-hmm. and then kind of stopped there. So, so <laughs> I don't I don't know the ending of the story. <laughs> Tune in for episode twenty. Yeah, <laughs> we we'll we'll do some research on the on the Khans and the Mongols. Hybrid podcast. Yeah, <laughs> the Mongols revisited. But yeah, so it's just like literally like. It boggles boggles your mind that like the death of one person can literally change the course of history so much. Yeah, it is crazy. See the butterfly effects. Yeah. <laughs> How um, just for guys that uh, haven't got much of a background of the Mongolian Empire. How big was it? Uh, it was the biggest empire ever. I think <laughs> they literally went from China all the way across to Budapest. Crazy, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's literally mental. They fought on horseback um, and they they basically were the reason that things like cannons were invented because they took, uh, I, I can't remember actually, they, I think they took gunpowder from that the Chinese had invented and basically like mixed that with some other technology that they had in the Middle East. They literally like, they whilst they were sort of massively destructive and destroyed loads of stuff and killed loads of people, they actually uh, were really, really clever and developed a lot of kind of like science and technology in the time they were they were around isn't there um like something one in six people are descended from genghis khan yeah something like that is that can that be true it's, it could be <laughs> i don't know that's it's pretty crazy though isn't it, it can't be it's just like, I've, I've heard that fact thrown around yeah. quite frequently. <laughs> I've never fact-checked it, so please yeah. don't take that away as a, as, a, a, as a definite fact. But apparently, there is one in six people can be traced back as descendants from Genghis Khan, which yeah. is unbelievable. Yeah, it's crazy. It's literally crazy. But there wasn't many yeah. people alive at the time, and he was just... A, and he killed lots of the people that were alive. <laughs> raping and pillaging <laughs> all over the place, then. Yeah. All right, so on with the episode. On with the episode. Last week we covered how important strength is for um, for overall health and how important having having like a decent amount of muscle is as well. Um, not necessarily like, like we said before. It's not 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 just to look good, great in speedos. It's to walk up the stairs when you're eighty years old. You just need that um, that muscle tissue, and and if you've if you've got more of it as you age. The more of it you lose, because you are going to lose it, you'll actually have enough to keep doing all the things you want to keep doing. We also touched on um, how important having a decent cardiovascular base is, because at the end of the day, your heart is the thing that's going to be beating for the rest of your life. And if it's not actually quite strong, you're going to really it's, it, you're going to put yourself in a well. You're going to, it's, it, it's going to be harder for you to stay alive for a longer period of time and live as fruitful a life without having a really really strong aerobic base. And we also touched on how important moving every day is, not just to ensure that we're keeping our heart healthy, keeping our muscles as with as much of it as as much muscle as we can, but also just to ensure that the range of motion we've got at each joint, um, you know, we've we've still got full range of motion at every joint, so we can we can still do all the moving that we want to do. We can get on the floor, we can get up from the floor, we can we can just live the the quality of life that we really really want to live. Yeah, I think like obviously for us having had injuries, that's sort of like particularly sort of pertinent but if it like I, I'm just thinking back to when when I actually had my knee up my knee ops and I was going back for sort of like checkups on my after the ops and it's like you're sitting in these sort of like hospital rooms and just looking at, around at how like immobile people are at that age like obviously sort of like 90% of the people there are like 60 plus um but sort of like your actual quality of life it, like if you don't look after yourself when you get to that age is literally like is so poor in comparison mm-hmm. like it is it, yeah it's literally like it's, it's crazy how much of an impact that can have and obviously it's, it's really hard to kind of think like oh, I'm going to do my mobility so that in like 30 years time I can still like walk up the stairs like no one really thinks like that but mm-hmm. it's like it's it's worth just being like being so grateful now that you do have that ability mm-hmm. um 
Yeah, it's like rather than just waiting until it's gone or wait until you get injured or wait until like a niggle becomes sort of something more and it's it's kind of taken from you. Absolutely. It is just the 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 way the general um, consensus is on trying to ensure that you are we are healthy um, is is so backwards. It's like I'm just gonna wait until I'm ill or injured before I do anything about it, and then as soon as I feel normal again, I'm gonna stop caring about it and just like go on this constant cycle of like cruise, get ill, get injured, try hard okay, I'm fine again. Or like, get some medication to get better. Yeah. Okay, I'm fine again. Just like, it's like, oh, my blood pressure's high. I'll just, I'll just have some, I'll just get some statins. And then it levels out for a little bit. And then your blood pressure goes higher again because all the actual underlying issues haven't been solved. You just go on statins and all those negative implications are still there. Like, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> it is hard though, because like, if someone's got an injury and they go to a physio and they get some rehab exercises, they do those rehab exercises, it gets a bit better. And then as soon as the pain's gone, people just stop doing the exercises, yeah. even though they still need to be doing them. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 yeah, it's that sort of thing. If there's no like immediate sort of implication, like it, as in pain, it's hard to actually sort of like motivate yourself to do the thing sometimes. But that, that's why like we, we speak about all the time, like making it as fun as possible and doing the stuff you enjoy is, so important absolutely but like I think people are all like when it comes to exercises from um, or like rehab exercises people almost forget that like once you've done that done that rehab and you've put in that work you haven't really got to put in as much work anymore you just got to do a little bit man yeah. like, like, uh, like Whatever the injury was, obviously the, the the rehab process is going to be different completely throughout. But once you've done that, like you know, your main lifts are going to pretty much take care of most of the things that you need to do. As long as you do a sufficient warm up and you maybe do a little bit of like mobilization and a little bit of lighter loading before you start doing those main lifts, those main lifts are good enough to like work all those little stabilizing muscles. That's absolutely fine. You haven't got to do all this boring stuff forever. Like you definitely don't. Yeah. But you've got to just do your due diligence and take care of it a little bit before you train and you'll be absolutely fine and if yeah. you just always train it like you know fairly submaximal and you're always pretty smart on um if you feel a little bit feel a little bit of something you just stop rather than thinking oh, i've got to get through this session or whatever yeah but I- you'll, you'll always take care of that sort of like that injury process and, it, and, and, and it's almost like um you just it's, it, it becomes your prehab and you never need to rehab again. Yeah, I think that's like a really important point actually, like staying injury free is one of the best ways to make sure that you're consistent. And it's like, definitely when I was younger, that there'd be times when something was a bit sore, I didn't feel quite right, but you just kind of push through it because it's like, it was in the session plan, so you're gonna do it, or it's what everyone else is doing at the time in that session, so you're like, right, I'll just, I'll just get on with it. Whereas now I'm just like, if something doesn't feel quite right, or like I've got a little bit of a niggle in my shoulder or that sort of thing. I'm like, okay, I'll just like, I'll go a little bit lighter today or like I'll just do a little bit less or I'll change the exercise a little bit. And there's absolutely like, there's so many ways that you can just like tweak a, like an exercise very slightly to still get the same stimulus that you're after, but without like taking the stress off something that may potentially be niggling a little bit. And like, you should absolutely never ever see that as kind of like a, a like failure or anything like that. That's like, absolutely part of the process and, and like so for us having had injuries we're sort of more aware of that like if, if my knee's a bit sore then I won't do like heavy squats even if I plan to kind of do that whereas I think before um, like a few years ago I would have just kind of pushed through and sort of like just sort of gone with it whereas like now I'm just much more mindful of like like being able to train for the next like pro- like properly for the next week it's going to be far more beneficial than just pushing through the, like this one session or like e- even longer term than that. Absolutely. Andy um, Torbett said it really well. You'll hear his podcast next week. Just like he now ensures he just does enough volume so that he can train the next day because being able to do stuff the next day is actually more important than being able to do everything today. Yeah. And that's like really, really valuable to take away. Like it, you're much better off training a little bit within yourself so that tomorrow you can train as well rather than um, always like smashing yourself and then like, the next day waking up completely beat up and that's obviously a little bit different to when you've actually got a niggle but 
Yeah. Same sort of concept of like, if you can get those consistent, get get that consistency down and not be injured, then you're going to be a much better athlete over the course of years. Yeah, I'm sad, and that, that's sort of like, like we like Ali said, we touched on it in the podcast next week, but don't see like every training session does not need to be sort of like 90% plus in terms of effort and at like absolutely smash yourself in actual fact it's like you maybe do that once a week maybe once every other week sort of thing like have a, a like a hard session like that and then the rest of the time it should be sort of stuff that's kind of well within sort of your ability level well within sort of like your kind of comfort level so that you can actually just like get the quality of the training and keep it consistent long term absolutely Okay, so if you want more information on all that stuff, tune into last week's episode. Um, when it comes to eating for overall health, personally, I think um, it it can be kind of quite hard to define what that what that means. I mean, like it's like it is because everyone's current realm of health is different, and so for someone who's really quite overweight, what is healthy for them is to drop weight and it doesn't really matter how they do it however it's done will actually make them more healthy but then if you've got someone who's um like like all their all their health markers will improve so what we're going to speak about here is kind of like a general approach to maintaining a fairly lean-ish or like or like healthy body weight if you are overweight um like consider you have more mass than you need then just losing that weight will make you healthier and by all means like having a a, a diet that's um rich in like fruits vegetables lean sources of protein um essential fats will make that dieting process easier but that it 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 doesn't need to be the priority for a for a fat loss phase like ensuring you eat fatty fish three times a week doesn't need to be a priority for a fat loss phase but do you know what for overall health for the rest of your life doing that has been there's good evidence that that's probably a really really good idea whether you do that with supplements or with, with fish oil or you actually eat omega-3 fats through you know salmon sardines whatever that has been shown to be a really really good idea um for a range of different um modalities from a uh, range of different reasons from like bone health to like um mood all the way to uh fat mass um and um even like um even brain function like cognitive function has has been shown to be a little bit improved if you're getting sort of like a um three servings of of that sort of like fatty fish a week so when it comes to diet for overall health it's a it's a little bit different to a to a, to a diet for um like as much muscle as possible because you don't need to eat two grams per kilogram of protein for for health that's like that 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 is not what's needed for health for maximal muscle hypertrophy so so if you want to have as much muscle as you can then yeah you probably want to be in that sort of like two grams per kilogram range and having probably three to maybe five servings of distinct servings of protein throughout the day Um, that's going to allow you to build as much muscle as you probably possibly can uh, naturally but if overall health is is the target, then you know what's what's defined as being healthy by uh, like n- um, national guidelines probably isn't actually enough. Zero point eight grams per kilogram is is the amount of protein that the government will guide will guide you to eat for overall health. But the reality is that probably is a little bit low. And what we what we touched on last week with sarcopenia, which is the loss of muscle as you age, that is just not going to cut it. You are going to lose muscle as you age with a, with a, with a total of 0.8 grams per kilogram. Just to give you some some rough numbers, that would mean that we would I, I'd be eating about 80 grams of protein a day, um, you know, which is probably which is just not adequate at all. <laughs> um, but 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 Jeff definitely not adequate for health. Yeah, I think like like Ali was saying, in terms of eating for kind of like, I guess eating for fat loss, you like just by dropping fat, you will be healthier. Like there, there's been sort of studies where people kind of take that to the extreme. There was a guy that did like, all he ate was ice cream, 
um, had some whey protein and then I think a multivitamin. Mm -hmm. um, and he did that for an, like an extended period, but in a deficit and obviously dropped some body fat and all his kind of like blood markers, like health markers in his blood improved as a result of just getting leaner. Um, but obviously for someone wanting sort of overall health, you'd never recommend them to do that. There's like, he probably felt a bit of shit when he was doing that. Like, like probably hungry, pro probably mm -hmm. quite tired. Like it, it's just not going to be sort of like beneficial long term. but short term to drop, like drop weight. If that's the way you want to do it, great, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, it, it, obviously like in terms of sort of like a maintainable healthy diet, Obviously, we've got sort of like the kind of, I guess, physiological things we want to take care of in terms of making sure we get enough kind of micronutrients, so vitamins and minerals, and fiber as well. So that basically means like eating between five and ten servings of fruit and veg a day. In like in reality, is probably like probably a decent amount to aim for. Um, having some essential fats and having your protein, and that for most people will take up what sixty five, maybe seventy percent of their sort of like total like energy input so you've then got like this 30 percent which yeah you can obviously just eat more of that stuff so you can have more veg you can have more fruit that sort of thing or you can have a little bit of flexibility because i think that's like when we like when i think of a kind of a maintainable diet like you want to be able to go out for a, a social meal with your friends you want to be able to not be thinking about food all the time or worrying about tracking everything all the time or, or that sort of thing as well so it's not just making sure you're hitting sort of like like your micronutrients and fiber and protein targets it's actually sort of like build building a diet in a way that is is maintainable for you going forwards and that you don't sort of cause yourself additional stress over and allows you to have that sort of social element to it as well um which obviously if, if you're going to maintain this like for the rest of your life that like those those need to be there and that that's not to say like you won't have phases where you kind of dial things in a little bit more i really like greg slater's um sort of analogy on this is like thinking of sort of like your nutrition like a dimmer switch like you can turn it down so there'd be periods where you're not tracking anything you're just kind of like relying on sort of like like your healthy habits make sure you're eating your fruit and veg and protein and whatever but you're not really sort of paying that much attention to it and then times when you're kind of turn that dimmer switch up and probably dial things in and maybe sort of like track things for a little bit and that sort of thing and that's that's fine as well but just like kind of go, going in between but like being happy at both ends of sort of that spectrum, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if you, when you think about what you just said about sort of having 65, 70% of your calories pushed towards those um, things that would probably we'd all sort of define as healthy, depending on how um, calorically expensive you are to keep alive, if you like, if you, if you think about that as like a pie, the more active you are the bigger that pie becomes the less active and the smaller you are the smaller that pie becomes and so there's a lot of the reality is that someone who weighs 80 kilos versus someone who weighs 100 kilos it's a lot more expensive for someone to be 100 kilos um, but they probably don't need much really much difference in their micronutrient intake yeah like that that that's going to be fair like not hugely different so the person who has uh, who weighs 100 kilos and, and, and still focuses on eating a diverse range of fruits and vegetables and um, essential fatty acids and lean sources of protein, all those sort of things, and like generally chooses whole grain carbohydrate um, as a general rule of thumb, um, will, will not really need to do... Will, will just have more flexibility to have more ice cream or whatever it is because they've taken care of those fundamentals with less calories yeah. of, of, of their pie. I think um, you can really define sort of like eating for health in three, with three major things really. Number one, um, and this is this literally would go in order, um, this is for health, uh, calories to match your goal. Whatever your goal is, if it is, um, so, we, so if it's maintenance, which hopefully everyone gets to at a certain time and, they, and they, you can get to a, uh, a maintainable-ish body weight that is overall healthy. Um, you know, it doesn't need need to be shredded lean, but it definitely isn't carrying um, excess too much excess body fat. Definitely, again, within a range. 
but so your overall so to, to define health calories to match goal number two um, a diverse range of fruits vegetables and just generally foods we know that a diverse range of um, different especially different vegetables will feed uh, different species of bacteria in your gut which um, we, and, and we don't really know much about gut health but what we do know is more diversity is better and so when you eat a diverse range of um, fruits vegetables legumes those sort of things things that are uh, have a lot of fiber in them that essentially feed your gut microbiome um, we know that's really really good for overall health like, like I said we don't really know what what particular species are like great that or it, if anyone's if you hear things like this is definitely true in the like for you for, this is definitely great for your gut you've got to do this you know it's probably a little bit premature and like maybe that can happen in a few years or five ten years when we might know a bit more but right now we don't really have that evidence we do have evidence to say that do you know what if you can eat a diverse range of of foods that you might deem to be in inverted brackets healthy which is which is like you know fruits vegetables um different sources of like legumes all those sort of things we know that that's actually excellent for um for encouraging different species to grow and and the sort of like the species we want to thrive thrive um there is like i mean if you your gut microbiome is literally um a byproduct to a large extent of what you eat that's that's essentially what you can what you can influence where you live is important as well so like you can't really influence that how you were born has an impact um, what your mum was exposed to has an impact. So the only real impact you can have on it is kind of what you eat. Um, and so if you choose to eat lots of um, like fatty foods, lots of highly processed fat, like fat dense foods, um, species that sort of like feed on those things will thrive. And it um, and then when you eat foods like um, that are higher in fiber, the species will actually break those things down. They, they aren't there in the same quantities. So you might feel like you get a bad stomach from eating like a diverse range of fruits and vegetables. Whereas if you eat a diverse range of fruits and vegetables, the species that sort of like break down those fibers will thrive and you won't feel so um, gassy or whatever on those or like bad tummy on when you eat a high quantity of those foods. So it's like people always, um, you often hear people say like, oh, that thing didn't agree with me. Um, it's the first time I tried it in a while. And it's, you know, it could be because the, the, the species that sort of eats that uh, byproduct of that um, fiber or whatever is it's just, just just not there in a sufficient quantity to break down as much as you had. Yeah, I find it really funny when people say like, definitely eat this uh, this fruit because it's a superfood, or this vegetable because <laughs> it's a superfood. It's like if I was only going to eat one piece of fruit in a day, yeah, yeah, I might prioritize blueberries or something that's a superfood. But it's like in reality, if you eat like a wide range of fruit and veg anyway you're gonna get all the like the micronutrients and fiber and everything else that's that's in that anyway so like the reason people say like oh this is a superfood is generally it's pr like probably a little bit higher than some other foods in a certain vitamin or mineral probably like that, that's generally why sort of superfoods are deemed as superfoods it's like but it's it's irrelevant if mm -hmm. you if you you're eating a decent amount of fruit and veg anyway <laughs> yeah, it, it literally couldn't be less super yeah. than more things combined yeah. <laughs> it's like um, oh if you could only one exercise for the rest of your life what would you do yeah. it's an irrelevant question yeah. like what do you what do you mean a, uh, an acai berry as a superfood yeah. you it's, only, uh, you it's only pronounced eat, acai I think is it point, but yeah. <laughs> acai you're only going to eat some fucking acai for the rest of your life yeah no you idiot so stop calling it like this super thing because the reality is a combination of fruits that you really like are far more fucking super than um <laughs> than one like the avengers are loads better than iron man yeah <laughs> he hasn't even got any superpowers <laughs> um but yeah so it is you're right it is hilarious when people are like oh do this one thing eat this one food and it's just like it's so wrong and so ridiculous. <laughs> and then you have people that, um, like a lot of clients would be like, oh, but I heard I can never eat bread. Or, or I heard that I have to eat put eat celery in my smoothie. 
Yeah. Or like, and he's like, if you want to put celery in your smoothie, go ahead. But like, if you put a stick of, think about like a stick of celery. It's not much celery. Yeah. <laughs> That's not going to cure your problems at all. <laughs> if you want to add a stick of celery to your diet every day, great. It's a fucking 10 gram stick of celery. <laughs> it's not that nutrient dense. It's mostly water, really. Yeah, but... it's like fucking 98% water. Like, <laughs> Just have a bit more water if you really want. It's like, there's not an awful lot of... Um, there's no food in isolation that you could say, yes, that will increase your health. Likewise, there's no food in isolation that you could be like, that is going to do you damage. Unless it's actually poison. Yes, yeah. don't eat do, poison. It isn't going to do anything. And even poison, like in the in not enough quantity, is fine. Yeah. It's arsenic and apple seed. What is it? Um, cyanide and apple seeds. Oh, yeah. Don't but, eat too many of them. But How many do you eat a day? Fucking six. <laughs> <laughs> that's not six seeds, that's six apples and yeah. their seeds. Yeah. But I'm still alive, yeah. alive and kicking. Your lips look a bit blue though. <laughs> yeah, That's a different problem. Um, I think that pretty much covers nutrition, doesn't it? Yeah, so just to like summarise, if you got it, so this is how I would define nutrition for, for overall health. Um, calories to match your target, a diverse range of foods, preferentially um, fruits, vegetables, um, whole source of carbohydrate, essential fatty acids as, as your priority and then... Um, adequate protein for for health that's probably going to be in the region of like 1.1 to 1.4 grams per kilogram um maybe 1.6 uh but like definitely doesn't need to be maximal like like, definitely doesn't need to be two grams per kilogram like you would need for a bodybuilder as you age just quickly um you become less efficient at utilizing protein so you might actually need to have higher doses per meal um because you're, you you become what's known as anabolically resistant. So actually, like for someone who's sixty, um, you, you you might need to be in that sort of like thirty to f- probably forty gram per meal range, and that would be more beneficial um, than having uh, like a total amount. At the end of the day, it'd be better to try and like ensure that you're getting a decent chunk per meal. Um, but yeah, but so, so, so that's how I define overall health for nutrition. How about you, mate? Nutrition for health, sorry. Yeah, I completely agree with that, mate. And I think, just like, like I said, adding in, like, building that into a way that you can have some social, like, some social stuff. You're not kind of constantly stressing about it. Is like if if you're doing all those things and eating loads of fruit and veg and that sort of thing, but you're constantly stressing about it. Mm. I would say that's not that's not healthy. Couldn't agree more. Um, so, like building that into a way that is actually like maintainable for you and that you kind of enjoy enjoy doing as well. Absolutely. So, like, yeah, you can, you're completely right. Get when um, that def, that that nutrition that, that those three keys are one hundred percent alongside eating in a stress free manner. Yeah. That you that um so so calories to match goal doesn't necessarily mean you have to track your calories. It just means you find a way that you can eat a roughly normal amount of calories, uh, sorry, a roughly maintainable amount of calories for your body weight in a manner that allows you to have potentially not all the flexibility that you could have ever have because the reality is that we live in the Western world and in the Western world, you do have to kind of accept that you live in, ob- in an obesogenic environment and if you let your, um, essentially, your... Uh, hunter-gatherer brain drive all your eating habits they're going to eat you fat in a heartbeat I'd eat all the crunchies all the crunchies <laughs> I'd eat all the ice cream I'd just drink yeah. honey yeah <laughs> do you know there's a, there's a tribe in um, oh, where's the tribe from uh, oh, I can't remember but anyway they were given they're just like a hunter-gatherer tribe and obviously they had like no, no, uh, hardly any people who were obese in their in their in their tribe, but then they were given access to uh, during certain seasons they give it they they can get honey from bees, yeah, and they just drink honey, honey, <laughs> they just drink and drink literally just drink like liters of honey, and just like get fat for the winter and then just like obviously get shredded again and there's, and there's, and there's no more honey. <laughs> and like, just literally just like just drinking honey. Let's just call it. That'd be great. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was going to just a stress-free manner that ensures that you're eating the diverse range of micronutrients and from yeah. fruits and, and fibre, 
um, probably should mention that the reason we want to prioritize fruits, vegetables, those sort of things that are high in fiber is because that's going to have a massively positive impact on not developing things like colon cancer. Um, and if you do eat those sort of things and you do have a diverse range of fibers in your diet, the chances of um, things like processed meats being in inverted commas bad for you will actually become quite low because that is part like the longitudinal data where it looks at um, like processed meats, red meats, and those being really, really bad for you. Um, you, do, you just don't see those people having any fiber or any like a diverse range of micronutrients in their diet, which actually has a sort of like um, a really positive impact. So it, when you, it's, it's probably a little bit too much to go into now, but when you look at those um, studies on processed meats, red meats being inherently bad for health, there's a lot, there's a lot of, um, a lot of things aren't, those people who have diets that are high in those processed meats are devoid of any fibres, vegetables, um, and that's definitely a massive compounding factor. We probably don't want to eat all our meats as processed meats, and if you can, then prioritise um, non-processed when possible, but having some ham, having a ham sandwich, probably having ham every day, um, if it's, you know, a smallish amount, like 100 grams, you're not having like 500 grams a day, is probably going to be completely fine given that you're eating um, a diverse range of fruit, of, of, of fibres alongside that. Yeah. Diversity is key. Very, very key. Our next point was sleep. And there's quite a lot of studies on how important sleep is. Um, and basically if you're if you're not getting a decent amount of sleep and by a decent amount of sleep probably what like eight hours in bed mm-hmm. um then you're <laughs> i find this uh this <laughs> phrase really funny all cause mortality is increased um <laughs> so you're more likely to be assassinated and eaten <laughs> by sharks also <laughs> Um, yeah, because you can't get away from them. No, you're probably more like to, because you're so tired, you'll swim in the shark-infested waters. Yeah. <laughs> you, you won't read the signs because you're so tired. <laughs> Bluey <And> eyes. <laughs> and when you get assassinated, and when someone tries to assassinate you, you <laughs> Yeah, no focus. You can't bring your uh, assassin's creed blade out. No. Uh, but yeah, basically, sleep is, like, unbelievably important. Um, what's, what's the data on, uh, like... One or two nights lack of sleep um, affects sort of like leptin and ghrelin as much as um, how long being in the deficit. Oh yeah. Okay. So, all right. Let me have it. If um, if these points are wrong, and um, Greg especially, yeah, <laughs> this, feel free to correct me, mate. Um, so you've got this. Um, we've got a, a, quite a, a range of hormones in your body that regulate your appetite. Um, and when we diet, they obviously get affected. And this is where like, obviously calories in, calories out is the most important thing when it comes to fat loss. But calor- when you reduce calories in, calories out take a bit of a hit and also your body might drive you to eat more calories. Greg touched on this brilliantly in, um, in episode 16, 17? 17. 17. Um, nutritional periodization. But, um, so when you when you diet, your after a week of dieting, your leptin levels um, can reduce by fifty percent. They take a massive cut. Just a five hundred calorie deficit a day um, can reduce your leptin levels by up to fifty percent in the first week, which is massive. And essentially, what that does is it will drive you to be more hungry and more and more aware of um, of, of foods. So your sort of like hunger cues are more heightened. Your desires to eat high, more calories are heightened um, and this is sort of like again what Greg was touching on this is sort of like the science behind diet fatigue a little bit um, remember Greg was saying about when you do diet for a period a certain period of time there are calories actually that you you have this offset of like you want to eat more than you um, than your body want than you've lost fat um, calorie wise does that, does that make sense yeah so of. your brain is like let's say you diet 500 calories um, off your brain's like 
I want more than 500 back, I want 600 back or whatever it is. Yeah. And, and, um, and this is about 100 calories per kilogram, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and anyway, so in the first week of dieting, your leptin levels, which is again this hormone that regulates appetite, can drop by 50%. And that is the same, the same drop as just two weeks of, um, two days a week of uh, two hours less time or two total sleep of those two nights, which is crazy. Yeah. Like, and I don't know if you've ever done this before, but like I certainly have. If I go into Sainsbury's in the morning having slept really well, the smell of like the bread, if I just, if, if it's like half, after half an hour, sort of makes me feel a bit sick, like I, I don't want it at all. Like it's like, it's a bit like, oh, that, I don't really want that right now, I just clean my teeth or whatever. If I go into Sainsbury's in the morning having had like four hours sleep, like let's say you went out the night before, like and you go in and, and that smell hits you, I'm like, fucking hell, I wanna eat that right now. <laughs> Wait, and, and, and there's nothing that's really different. I just had this, this is completely out of it, right? I just had this lack of sleep, and I probably associate this with, with lack of sleep without really thinking about it. But, the, but that lack of sleep really does, I, I feel it straight away. I really wanna eat. Um, I'm really hungry in the mornings. Whereas normally my hunger in the mornings is like, I didn't, I'm not hungry at all. I mean, this morning I got up, ran 10K, and I've only had some whey, and it's, 10 o'clock and I've been up since seven. I'm starting to get a little bit hungry now, but like I'm, reality is I'm not very hungry really, considering probably expended best part of a thousand calories since I've been awake, yeah. which is pretty ridiculous considering I'm not really that hungry. I've had about put 200 calories in, pushed out a thousand best part of. Um, so that, that, that flux is quite high and I'm not, not really that hungry. Whereas I know that if I hadn't slept very well last night, I'd be ravenous by now. Yeah, I was quite lucky that I had like eight hours sleep last night. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so th that lack of sleep does drive you to eat a lot more calories. And if we think about that from both ends of the spectrum, actually when you have lack of sleep, your energy in, your body drives you to eat more, to eat more calories, and your energy at your desires to move, to your desires to be active, go down a lot as well. So, you, to, so your energy in and energy out flux is massively negatively impacted because you want to eat more and you want to move less. And so when it comes, if you're trying to A, maintain a decent, like maintain your body weight, or B, you're just, you're trying to lose some body fat, it's, that's really, really hard because you're, you're literally getting hit from both ends of the spectrum to do the opposite. Yeah, it's literally like, and that, that, that's just talking like, in terms of sort of, I guess, about like managing your energy, managing sort of like your hunger, but lack of sleep, has such a massive impact. Um, I'll just quote this from a paper which we'll link uh, below. Um, but basically, in healthy adults, short-term consequences of sleep disruption include increased stress, responsivity, somatic pain, reduced quality of life, emotional distress and mood disorders, and cognitive memory and performance deficits. For adolescents, uh, psychosocial health, school performance and risk-taking behaviours are impacted by sleep disruption. Behavioural problems and co cognitive functioning are associated with sleep disruption. Uh, Long-term consequences of sleep disruption in otherwise healthy individuals include hypertension, dyslipidemia, cardiovascular disease, weight-related issues, metabolic syndrome, type 2 diabetes and colorectal cancer. All-cause mortality is also increased in men with sleep disturbances. I assume it's the same for women, mm -hmm. but they've just gone into men there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Savage. Which is actually, like, crazy. Mm -hmm. It has such a massive impact. You'll live a shitter life. You'll be fatter. You'll have less muscle. Again, we've been through all the reasons why they're not. That's not really a good idea. Uh, you'll be in more pain, and you'll be more moody. Yeah. And you'll have worse relationships. What a terrible way to spend your life. <laughs> and it's like it, it's. It annoys me when people sort of like glorify like staying up late or I had four hours sleep last night to mm. get this done. It's like you're like you're putting yourself in so much of a worse position to actually do stuff today, like mm -hmm. by doing that, it's yeah. like, and obviously like long-term, if that continues, like you're really gonna mess your body up. Absolutely. Um, it is, it is so, the, the, the problem is with um, for like for, okay, so the, the, obviously the issue is every, almost everyone has a set wake time 
So your your wake time is set. Like let's say it's seven o'clock. You're getting up at seven no matter what. And people go to work, they come home, do if they've got kids or whatever, they do whatever, and then they might have an hour or two in the evening that is their time. And people almost feel like they're getting robbed of their time if they go to bed a bit earlier. Yeah. And so they're like, I'll just push my bedtime until twelve, so I've got this hour to fuck about on fucking Facebook or BBC Sport yeah. <laughs> or like watch a series or something. So and, and and that's all well and good. Like having your downtime is essential. Yeah. But when you're using when you're cutting into your actual sleep time for more downtime, you are really negatively impacting your health. Unless you you're getting adequate sleep, and and, and that downtime is just coming from from somewhere else. The chance that probably isn't. You probably are cutting into your sleep. People people are probably cutting into their sleep, and it is. It just like we've been through before it has such a massive impact on so many things so like you don't want to fall prey of that social jet lag and 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 always you've got you've got your set wake time which is fine because you've got to get to work um but just cut into your downtime for the sake of an extra episode or whatever and, and obviously the in the short term it's like it's really worth it yeah <laughs> <laughs> but you will feel so much better if you just set set like a okay my set, my wake time is seven. I'm gonna do my best to get, let's say, eight hours in bed. So that means I've got to be in bed at eleven, and probably have most of my like have, have technology off, or at least of definitely limited blue light exposure from the time of about ten p.m. onwards. And so you can actually download excellent. We'll, we'll, we'll link below, or we'll link in the in the description, an app called Flux F L U X, which essentially blocks the blue light from your laptop, so you can pretty much watch whatever you want in bed. And you'll be able to fall asleep really, really easily straight away afterwards. It's unbelievable technology. Makes the screen well orange, doesn't it? It does make the screen really, really orange. <laughs> Most people can't deal with it. No. <laughs> um, you end up falling asleep because you're fed up with watching it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it makes it less enjoyable to watch. So less I really watch as much. <laughs> I really don't mind it, to be honest. Um, but I think it's, it's, it's honestly excellent. If you want to do stuff on your laptop late at night, then just get it because it does basically your release of melatonin won't be impacted which will allow you to get it get make you feel tired and get to sleep um rather than the release of melatonin which makes you sleepy being inhibited by the fact that you're getting exposed to blue light um, or bright lights late at night so that's really really important um so yeah so sleep is unbelievably important when it comes to stress as well like it's unbelievable how much of an impact or negative impact just being stressed can have on your on your body. Um, it, is, it is absolutely crazy. Uh, but when it comes to stress, you've got to bear in mind that stress is like something that you put on yourself. It is a completely like man-made thing. And you can, you, I know obviously we all go through periods where we are more stressed, less stressed. But you absolutely can just essentially choose to not be so stressed. Um, that's all obviously a lot easier said than done. Uh, and the, but the data on stress is like really really clear. It negatively impacts your biology. <laughs> yeah. Which is just crazy. But I think it's worth saying like you've obviously got sort of acute stress and then chronic stress. Like acute stress is generally a good thing. Mm -hmm. Like something happens, you get a stress response, you respond to it. What is not good and what, like, the kind of world we live in now is just, like, people holding chronic stress for long periods. Um, so, like, you can just, like, if you look at, like, social media and sort of, like, phone usage and things like that, like, every time you get a notification, you quickly, like, you kind of jump, you grab your phone, you look at it. That's actually giving you, like, a little bit of sort of, like, an adrenaline but like boosted like a dopamine hit what like whatever but it is like that's a stress response if you're constantly kind of like hitting that all day every day like every time like you get a notification you get a little bit of a stress response on top of kind of the general lifestyle that you, you lead where you don't really kind of get downtime to kind of move away from that and actually relax it's so so bad for your for your health and like mo again like we said we're sort of like training most people kind of won't realize the impact of that until it starts to actually cause problems whereas or, or like physical kind of like manifestations of that of that problem um but being like very aware of that 
it's definitely like definitely something you kind of like need to take into consideration. Absolutely. Um, we are going to have to finish part two there, however, and potentially look at um, this. Actually, gives us a we're going to do another part three of this. This gives us a bit more time to speak about uh, relationships and gratitude in a not so rushed manner because they are probably up there with some of the most important things when it comes to overall health. If you look at, we'll go into this a little bit, but there's like five regions of the world where people are just li- live the longest and their relations with their family are second to none. They are just brilliant. Grandparents look after the children when mum when and dad are at work and they're just, just the family relationships are fantastic. We'll dive into a little bit about that on the next episode. Um, but that is part two for us to finding health over and out. So thank you ever so much for listening. Um, if you have any sort of comments on that or questions or anything, um, please get in touch. Absolutely. And if you found that useful, uh, then please share with so, your friends or on social media and tag us in there as well because we like to see what um, see people are listening and finding value from kind of putting this together. It's why, it's why we do it. Absolutely. So, so just a few take-homes. When it comes to nutrition for health, try and eat um, calories to match your goal. Try and eat a diverse range of foods, especially fruits and vegetables. Uh, fruits and vegetables. Eat adequate protein um, so you don't, your muscles don't fall off. Adequate protein being about 1.2 to 1.6 grams per kilogram. More if you're older. Do your absolute best to set a decent bedtime so that you get adequate time in bed. Somewhere around that eight hour mark is, you know, it's meant to be a sweet spot. The actual evidence behind it is uh, it's quite hard to find where eight hours really comes from, but that's for another day, I suppose. Um, And try and be as stress-free as you can, (laughs) as often as you can. Chill out, guys. Chill out. (laughs) Uh, Speak soon. Thank you very much. Cheerio. Ciao. Bye-bye. Arrivederci. <laughs>